Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Rise and shine, football fans. Welcome to Morning Footy. Hope you had a fantastic weekend. She's back in the host seat. Yeah, Suze, welcome back. Wow, what a ride it's been. I'm Susanna Collins. That's Nico Cantor, Charlie Davies, Alexis Guerrero. So we've got Ellie Trost Martin in for some headlines. I, there is a lot going on there at this is. desk right now. I don't um, think any of this is by design. By Charlie Davies stylist. rocking the Julian Nagelsmann look. Yes. Um, this is Ooh. Alexis Guerrero. Looked at Nico, and he was like. Screech yeah. from Saved by the Bell. Yeah. But, I, I, but this is Jorge Campos. It is Jorge, Jorge Campos. Campos. It was El Brody's birthday yesterday. I wanted it to fall in a week. I got this. I'm thinking, ooh, I'm going to wear it for Jorge Campos' birthday. And it Where just so happened. I got this at Classic Football Shirts at a pop up in Miami. Oh, okay. Look, there we go. Oh. I mean, it is. Yeah, it's spot on. But tell me I'm not wrong. I mean, do we have the other (laughs) split split screen? Yeah, I I didn't watch too much Saved by the Bell. Saved by the Bell was right before my time. Um, But Jorge Campos was not. Uh, Legend of the game. Legend. Legend. I remember as a kid just going out in the backyard pretending to be Jorge Campos. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I I absolutely loved it because he was small. You could have pretended to be Jorge Campos up top, too. (laughs) Yeah, maybe not so much. (laughs) Although he had that one all-star game where he balled. But remember guys like him and Iguita that would take the ball up as far as they wanted out of goal? I miss goalkeepers like that. Just absolute causing chaos for the defenders. (laughs) Like, what do we do? In the 90s, I don't know if it was explicitly Jorge Campos. He was mostly credited with this very flamboyant, loud style of goalkeeper jerseys from the 90s that ended up being mega iconic. I don't know if he was like the trendsetter, but he definitely, he, he warranted the label for sure. It's like the, the 98 Japan goalkeeper, but they were all pretty colorful. It was... I met him at an MLS All-Star game a couple years ago. I think it was the one in L.A. And you know, he is. He's such an iconic figure and known for these wild, wild goalkeeper kits. And when I met him, he was so soft-spoken and so lovely and, like, not at all what I thought he was going to be. Um, and it's just so funny when, like, you have this, like, image of someone and what they're going to be like in Was he wearing head. Birkenstocks? He was wearing Birkenstocks. Yeah. He, yes, like he his, was. That's like his thing. Yeah. But he, I mean, he was <laughs> lovely. <laughs> he was so lovely. But, like, just not at all. I don't know. I, I thought he was going to be just, like, this big personality. And he was just yeah. so chill. Very nice guy. Especially because so goalkeepers chill. are usually the wild ones. Right? Yeah. Goalkeepers. They're all a little cray. Crazy. A little cray. You got to be a little cray. The position lends itself to it. Um, all right, guys. Should we, should we get to some of the, the weekend action? 
I know you guys were up in East Hartford, Connecticut, up mm -hmm. the road, braving the rain. The U.S. men's national team taking on Germany in a friendly. Should we get to the highlights? Let's, let's do were it. Were there highlights? Yeah, there yeah, were. There were. There were. <laughs> uh, it started out well. Right here. This is this is a world-class play. One versus four. Christian Pulisic bends it, top bends. When you see him do this, that's mm. when you know he's got it in him to be a world-class winger. Yeah. It was a fantastic start to the match. And then unfortunately. Well, yeah. Uh, this was also a world-class play from Leo Izane. Oh. It all started with a big switch from Gundogan to get it to Izane. And it's then really nice. it ends up being finished off by Gundogan. And, and here you could just see the marking oh, from the man. back line, the midfield. Just quality. It wasn't great in this game. and. Right here, this, this plus, you see Serginho Des keeping uh, Fulkerg on, uh, on, uh, on side, and he finishes from there. Uh, so the U.S. lose this one, 3-1. Here is a look at this yes. match by the numbers. Um, I mean, when you look at the shots, uh, Germany just uh, dominating possession as well as shots on goals. Um, I Charlie, for you, this was, I mean, there was a lot of many storylines we were following heading into this one. This was the return of Gio Reyna uh, to the roster. He got the start in this one. This was also for Germany, Julian Nagelsmann, first game in charge. And so I think there's just a lot of eyeballs not really knowing what to expect from them. Uh, for the U.S., we talked a lot about how an opponent like Germany, these are big, good tests for the United States. Germany, not in great form coming into this, but perennially a, a global powerhouse in this sport. How do you think the U.S. fared? What was your initial reaction to this performance? This is probably, leaving that stadium, it was the most positive I've ever felt. Really? Losing 3-1. Really? Yes. Oof, I'm glad you finished the sentence that way, because I was like, I thought you were going to say the most positive you felt after a USA game. I'm like, no. what? Huh? After <laughs> losing 3-1, I, I left... Mm -hmm. Very optimistic because that first half, there were a lot of positives in that first half. Mm -hmm. And if you concede possession to Germany, which they did, and play on the counter, they had their opportunities. They had their moments. And they had one brilliant individual moment for Christian Pulisic. But besides that, if you take away that play, there were, were times where Timothy Way used his pace. Can he do that more often? And they were able to pull Germany out of position, uh, position in transition, but they just weren't effective in the final third. They weren't, they, they didn't take their chances. And if I look at Faler and Balogun, he only had 17 touches in this match. Mm. They, they did, and it wasn't that he wasn't good. They just didn't find him in certain plays. There were, there were times where Christian and Balogun were taking the same positions. And so getting that right, you could see that they're not yet on the same page when it comes to the attack and movement. But I, I'm, I was very impressed with the first half in terms of- Are you happy? Happy? I don't know. Like, are you? Yeah. I, I, I wasn't as optimistic leaving the game yeah. as you are right now. Yeah, the first 45, I was yeah, happy. But a soccer game is 90 minutes. But this is also a friendly where you, you took off Gio Reyna at half. You, you make substitutions. Un understood. You're not, you're, not, this isn't, you're not playing this like a World Cup match. Understood. So for me, but you don't I, think I, I, was, I actually was happy considering the moments in the game where if I, if I look at the scoreline 3-1, and I, not, and I didn't see the game, I'd say, oh, man, Germany probably pounded us. 
but they were little moments. It wasn't massive reconstructive surgery. Yeah, but you don't want it's little moments that I think agree. this team can improve and, on. And especially after the two goals within a four-minute span, the U.S. was still able to compete. A lot of subs maybe changed the dynamic of the game, but it was still very competitive. It, it, I agree in the sense that Germany didn't blow the United States out of the water, but they did expose some glaring problems mm -hmm. for, for the United States. Uh, I start with the lack of Tyler Adams. Mm -hmm. um, there was this whole debate when Tyler Adams wasn't at CONCACAF Nations League and Yunus Musa played at the six or Weston McKinney and they were going into this interchangeable role. Who's going to be the first, the midfielder to start that first point of attack, right? And like, all right, we don't need, we don't need Tyler Adams. We've figured it out without Tyler Adams or like when he's healthy, is he going to be the first man dropped in the, th in the three midfield system from Berhalter? And on Saturday, it proved that you need somebody to put out some fires like Tyler Adams. Because the quality of the opposition, you're not playing Mexico for sure. or Canada, you you're were, playing but Germany. Agree. But let's and talk then, about the quality of the, of the opposition for one moment because I think this is important. Julian Nagelsmann's first match, they have something to prove. And to some degree, I think Berhalter did as well. Berhalter said before the match that we have to learn. That was a quote when you face these upper echelon of, of you know, quality opponent. To some degree, didn't you walk away thinking, ah, we didn't prove we were at that level. We proved that I, moment. I, we I, can I, play. I agree. Chuck, uh, there were times that, that the was... U.S. was playing out of the back and they committed some elementary mistakes yes. that you can't expect out of the U.S. If we, if we want to hold ourselves to the standard of Germany, we can't, be, we can't be shaky out of the back. Or maybe Berhalter has to shift. He can't expect to play out of the back also, when you don't have a center back, when you don't have a goalkeeper, when you have the players to the quality to be clean out of the back. There wasn't plays where the U.S. was constructing quickly, where it was movement, where it was finding the six, pivot, yes. play off the pivot, and, and then move forward. You, you I, weren't I think, getting that. I think what you touched on is perfect. They're not at the level yet, but they can get to that level. That's why I left We've saying, been saying that yeah, for wow. a Thank long you. time, wow. Chuck. Thank you, Suze. You've been saying how that. Long? We've been, how, how long are we going to get? Wow, we're, we're so close. We we've are. Got, we've in, but my point is that we've been saying that for so when what you, feels like when a long time. When you say time. that, they I get just, out of the group with England, Wales and Iran, yes. mm -hmm. and they better and they were the best team in that group, especially in the match against England. Mm -hmm. And you're telling me that we're waiting for it. Has what, this was that, team was yeah. that not evidence for has you? Has this team taking a step forward from what you just said? Hmm? Has this team taken a step forward from what you just said? Because we talked about that ad nauseum. Has what, what showed what showed against Germany Did, is that this unit and Burhalter attached to it taking a step forward. I'm afraid that what we saw is not a step forward. That's still the okay, team but that could boss this is what I ask you. and not lose. If you, if you looked at the Netherlands game, mm -hmm. compared to this Germany game, mm -hmm. which, which game would you say the U.S. played better in? I would say this Germany game. Yes. And, and, and yeah, that, that, that answers 31. the question. Okay. That answers the question. And that's without Tyler Adams because in a game where you have to change tactically and Tyler Adams isn't there because you're not bossing the game. When you have possession then you, you don't need a Tyler Adams, right? That's what people say, you don't need a Tyler Adams. But when you have to defend, and you have to put out fires, and you have to sit in a low block, guess what? You need a Tyler Adams. You need a player who can put out fires. You need a player who's a tough tackler because you're sitting back. You're not dictating the game. And that's where the U.S. faltered because they did not dictate the tempo in this game. They played strictly counterattack. And then when they did go, 
they were out of position when Germany won the won won the ball back. That's a and very that's, essential part of counter that, that is what hurt this team. So when Greg looks at the tape, he's going to say, "Wow, there were a lot of positives." But For the, sure, there were but a lot the of negatives. But the negatives are what cost us the game. The small, the small parts of the game where people are out of position or a bad pass, but those are fixable. I would be leaving that stadium if it was an absolute travesty where they got played off the park, they got pounded, and you thought, wow, we don't have any upside. This team is taking steps backwards. Hmm. This was progress if you're looking at Holland and the Netherlands in that first game, uh, knockout game in the first half compared to this game. I was left feeling positive. That's how I, that's how I left this game. I feel like it was a small step forward if, you're, if we're considering what you're saying. Fair. Um, obviously, to satisfy what you guys are saying, mm-hmm. the U.S. would have had to win, right? I think that's what would have made you happy or fulfilled in mm-hmm. your statement of like, all right, we are evolving. We, we are taking strides. Yeah. I don't feel like the, a 3-1 loss to Germany is a stride forward. Sure, it's a step forward if you take away positives. And this all is going to build up. We're not going to have a testimony to this until Copa America. Yeah. Which is, mm-hmm. which is, I don't know if it's a scary thing. It's just like, how do you measure progress when you're not playing tested. at the standard mm-hmm. and tested and, and when your medal is really tested, like against Germany? And, and, and to your point, when you don't have the ball, mm-hmm. when you have to defend because you're playing against better opponents, that's where we could see the growth and, and see how they react. But if you don't, that, the tactics change. And I think that's where we're all think, wondering when Copa America comes, comes around and you don't have possession, and you're not controlling the tempo, yeah. how, do, how do they how look? Do you adjust? Okay. How do they adjust? So what are, the, what are the takeaways from this match against Germany that you want to see implemented against Ghana tomorrow? I'd like to see Faler and Balogun more involved. Uh, mm-hmm. That's one. You're, you're starting striker. But you were a striker. That only happens if you get the right service. And mm. you only had right 17 touches. And behind you. Right. But you also have to f- figure out ways to impact the game. Mm-hmm. And he did with passing, with his movement. But he just didn't get on the end of any balls in behind. Because if you looked at Germany in the first half, where, Nag- where Nagelsmann made the biggest tactical adjustment is Hummels, is, he, he has no legs. Mm. He has no pace. And the U.S. Were, were starting to figure that out as the first half went on. Attack, attack. And then if you've got Florian Wirtz defending, making those guys defend, Sané, Musiala, Wirtz, they're not defenders. They don't want to defend. Yep. Putting them on their heels, then the U.S. started to open up the game. But then Germany said, as soon as Nagelsmann came in at halftime, he said, enough of that. No more of that. And then you saw Germany control the game. And Gundogan, in, uh, in particular, had 113 touches. That's where you saw the difference, the world-class. That, see, that's, there. that's the thing for me. A pl- Gundogan, this man is world-class. I don't look at, like at, at the U.S. We've got some really, really talented players, but when you just look at the class of, of Germany and the, the Sanes and the Gundogans, I'm just like, where are we in comparison to a team like that? And, and I want us to be closer. We just we don't have those Miss, you got to make do with what you have. I know. And that's what we're holding at the end of the day. Yeah. The one positive for me is Christian Pulisic is in form. Yes. He is. The move to AC Milan has proven to be absolutely amazing. We all sat here at this desk and questioned, is he going to play? Is he going to get moments? The coach wants him. What is this going to be? Is it going to be the old Pulisic? Man, those gears are starting Confidence. to turn. He's, yeah. he's and, got and, some and I, massive, I, massive swagger right now. I have to give a shout-out to Brendan Aronson, who has been struggling for playing time. He came in, and he proved the point. He proved that... 
he's got the quality to play to be an impact player on the U.S. men's national team. I was very happy to see his dribbling ability. I mean, he turned Rudiger inside out yeah, uh, at least did. on two mm -hmm. occasions. And this is a Real Madrid starting center back right now. So, uh, you know, I, he, we talked after the game. He was a little frustrated in, in how his playing time, um, you know, ha, has Looked unfolded at Union Berlin. But he was moving. Hey. He was do, cooking. He was, tr he was trying to create. This hey. is what you want from a U.S. Hey. men's national team player coming off the hey. bench. <laughs> Make an impact with his movement, with, with his ability to get on the ball in the attacking third. I love that. And when I watch this team, and another reason why I say why I left positive, when they were playing in World Cup qualifying, they were boys. We were watching boys. When I watched them play against England, when I watched them play against the Netherlands, maybe not so much the whole time against the Netherlands, but I watched them play against Germany, I left. I said, this is, these are men. Mm -hmm. Nations League, they showed me they're men. They've developed. Now they're missing some game changers. They're missing timing with runs into the attacking third, which we saw from Musiala, which we saw from Gundogan. When we can take that next step, that's when we're going to say, oh, we're, we're all right. But I was left positive because I saw the transformation from boys okay. to men. Glass half full. I well, like it, Chuck. Keep it positive. And uh, guess what? We're going to have a chat with Brendan Aronson later on in the show, so you don't want to miss that. We are going to take a quick break. Ali Trost-Martin will return with some headlines when we come back. Don't go anywhere. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Morning Footy. Well, um, on Friday, we saw the return of footy wagers. Uh, and uh, we uh. all know how good we are at betting. <laughs> not at all. The answer is not at all. I know, Chuck, it went terrible for me as well. So uh, basically the same rules apply as last time. We were given $1,000 to make picks until the Champions League final. And this weekend was our first opportunity to try to win some cash. Nico and Alexis... Hit, well done. I could not have been more wrong with mine. Chuck, you came close. Yeah. <laughs> so, funny enough. <laughs> the sadness, yeah. I hope everyone heard that. Close doesn't cut it. Funny yeah. enough with Charlie, you know that Portugal, up until that Slovakia game, with only two games left in Euro qualifying, Portugal hadn't conceded a single goal, and you Why? bet them to win. And made that bet. And they conceded for the first time, all qualifying. You know what's funny wrong. as well? France hadn't conceded either, and, and they oh, did. Oh, man. So it's just one of those things where I was, I was thinking about texting the group, being like, 
It's coming. It's coming. No, I never do, no, do it. For context, he would do every week last last time yep. we did these babies. Yeah. yeah. No more. Woo, baby, big win. And then like two minutes later, something and negative would happen. You lost your bet almost oh, first first half. First Nashville half. Just was, went I was so confident goals. too. I was like, Nashville's such a good defensive team. There's not going to be any goals. You got, but you got that right. They only conceded once, but they scored twice. It was three two in the end. And I said under two and a half goals. Like I could not have been. More about, you told me too. You were like, I don't know, Suze. That seems a little it's unhinged. Just, and I, I was like, Nah, I when, got this. When there is a hot potato situation, <laughs> kind of like a Nashville that's not in the best form, and then New England, considering all the turmoil at New England, free fall. Well, I, I, I want to stay clinched. away from that type of bet. Do you know what? I like a challenge. <laughs> I went simple. Do you see my my odds? It was you, like minus three twenty. I was like, hey, I'm slow stepping how much did into you this win? thing. What, what, I won fifteen bucks. Hey, hey. hey. <laughs> yo, who's Who's not? Hey, right. in the green, Papa. That's what matters. Ay, ay, yeah. ay. I'm playing with house money. $16. Yeah. No, my, uh, the trend uh, continues. Wait, you only bet $25? Continues. Yeah. Oh, smart. Yeah, I I, oh, yeah. No, I was like, we're going to go conservative. <laughs> it's week one. Guys, the Champions League final is a long ways away. Yeah. yeah. This, is gonna be, this is going to be a long game. There's going to have a lot of <laughs> patience. We're going to have to show our best qualities here. That's true. Yeah, this is not going to be easy. It's a disaster. Uh, let's send it over to Allie Trost. Martin for some headlines. Hi, Allie. I'm so happy to be back with you all. I know. Uh, I got it's great a to few have of you. you that I can uh, look to for some headlines inspiration. Y'all crushed it last week. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, I mean, you got thank that you. Carmela Soprano fit I, right now. I know. You can't really see the full fit, but I very much so. It all matches what you see, all mm -hmm. the way down to the sneakers. <laughs> mm -hmm. It looks like a million bucks. Little two-piece set. Uh, and as I always tell my friend Susanna, never bet on Major League Soccer. So I know. Smart. I know. I, you think I would learn, Allie. Alas, here we are. It's okay. <laughs> It's, okay. it's difficult. It's, it's very difficult. Well, let's get into some headlines. We start with some international break injury news and Manchester United's bad luck continues with Brazilian midfielder Casemiro picking up an ankle injury while on international duty. The 31-year-old left Brazil's 1-1 World Cup qualifying draw with Venezuela with a knock making his availability questionable for Brazil's next qualifier against Uruguay on Tuesday. Manchester United acknowledged the injury in a statement, but did not provide a timetable on Casemiro's return. In some better injury news, Ishmael Benacer has returned to training with AC Milan ahead of schedule after suffering a knee injury in the Milan derby that required surgery five months ago. The 25-year-old Algerian midfielder is still several weeks away from playing his first matches since May and will be returning to a crowded Milan central midfield that includes USMNT's Yunus Musa. And in managerial hiring news, Bundesliga side Augsburg has named Danish coach Jess Thorup its new manager after firing Enrico Massen. Augsburg sits uh, in 15th place with just one win in their first seven matches. Thorup's last managerial role was with FC Copenhagen, which he left in September of 2022, shortly after leading them to the Danish league title. And Scottish club Rangers has appointed Philippe Clement as their new manager, wow. signing him to a three-and-a-half-year contract. The Belgian won three consecutive titles with Genk and Club Rouge between 2018 and 2021. Clement followed that success with a stint at Monaco but finished sixth in Ligue 1 last season. He replaces Michael Beal, who was in charge of the Rangers for less than a year and is tasked with breaking Celtic's hold on top spot in the Premiership. 
And in Major League Soccer news, Inter-Miami won't be in the playoffs this fall, but they have secured their plans for November. Lionel Messi's club will play a pair of friendlies in early November against Chinese clubs in Miami's first ever international tour. Miami returns to action at home against Charlotte FC on Wednesday before closing out their regular season in Charlotte on Sunday. Nico, Messi's no stranger to going on tour in Asia with his club teams. How big of a star is he over there? He's massive. <laughs> it's pretty obvious that the Asian market is where a lot of football teams have wanted to tap into because these players are so recognizable in, 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 in Japan, uh, Korea, China. Argentina did played friendlies in, in Asia and in China, and they made north of several million dollars like that. I, I don't want to give you the, the exact number, but I would imagine it would be in the ballpark range between one to three million dollars for a national team, which is pretty big for one soccer game to be put on tour with sponsors and, and stuff like that. So it's only logical that Inter Miami takes their players to their players and Messi. To, to Asia because they're bound to, to make a decent bank when they could be sitting at home making nothing because they've got no postseason. Right so there's the some financial game, but like Charlie, from a player's perspective, <laughs> time off is nice too. I mean, how do you think the players feel about this? Is the money worth it? I think to each, to each their own. <clears throat> In this scenario, I'm, I'm sure you know, a couple of extra weeks of vacation would be, would be greatly appreciated. Uh, <laughs> But when you play with a player like Lionel Messi, it's once in a lifetime. So in my, and if I were in any of them, their shoes, I would say, hey, let's keep playing. I want to mm-hmm. get as many reps as I can with, with Lionel Messi, whether it's training, whether it's matches. So that's, that's the, the excitement around having a player of his caliber in your squad. You don't get as much of a vacation as, as other clubs, and you're fine with that because you're playing alongside a Busquets, a Messi, and an Alba. So yeah, I'm sure mm. there'll be maybe one or two more new names that we have uh, Not only that, for next season. On the other side of this winter break, I guess, the, 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 the break between MLS seasons, Inter-Miami and Messi is going to be without legitimate minutes for a long mm. time. So how does Inter-Miami figure out to get the ball rolling again after, even after this China trip? Well, they have CONCACAF champions. Right, but it's, it's going to be it's still going to, I, don't, I don't remember the last time that Messi was without soccer for that long. He'll, he'll like that. I was going to say, don't you, you think this could it. be a massive benefit to him? Yeah. Especially with the injuries that he's been dealing with lately. Yeah. You know, so just fatigued. an opportunity to give your body some Messi, rest. Busquets, Alba, yeah. they're going to say, thank you. Yeah. I, I needed some rest. <clears throat> and it doesn't have to be a month. It doesn't even have to be three weeks. Give him an extra two weeks just to just to lay but low. Gonna, but it's going to be all of November. Well, excluding this trip, all of December, almost all of January. No, 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 when, no. When pre-season, pre-season starts early Jan. Pre- pre-season for starts. For CONCACAF Champions League. Wait, Champions wait, Cup. it's going to be start even earlier for, for them yeah. versus so? a normal okay. MLS team. Yes. Yeah. They're going to have competitive matches early. But also, I mean, if you are muscle fatigue, and if they do get uh, Luka Modric, who's 38, that's the rumor, these guys need a little bit of rest. I think they'll, they'll welcome two months off. Fair. It'll be, a, it, it'll be a, a game changer for players who are so used to the grind every week, every, all year. This will be welcomed by a Messi, Alba, and Busquets, I can tell you that. Fair. Yeah, agree. I need two months off. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! 
spin No off-season for us. No off-season for morning no. footing. None at all. Just, Thank you for watching. Even in hockey. Keep turning them out. Episode after episode. Let's There's go. no quit in us, people. There's somebody out there buying Nico Funky shirts as we speak so the show doesn't stop. <laughs> <laughs> I've got more funk for you guys. It's not just this one, by the Ooh. way. Yeah, but I'm, I got a time. I like that right. teaser. Yeah. It's very exciting. We have that to look forward to. All right, guys, we're going to take a break. Uh, final day of the NWSL regular season was yesterday. We are diving into a wild decision day when we come back. Don't go anywhere. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. Explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo. Thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. Kiss the Future. New documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply. There is so much chaos that is about to ensue today, and the points are incredibly tight. For a few, it's win or go home. This be the end of the day for Trinity Rodman, and Rodman is off. North Carolina Courage are going back to the NWSL playoffs. Angel City winners at home today. 5-1 the final score. They look like they are headed to their first ever NWSL playoffs. Morgan in the box, the shot, go! They will win the NWSL Shield for the first time in their history, which is only two years old. Well done, San Diego Wave. Well, it all came down to decision day in the NWSL regular season. And at the end of the day, these are the six teams that will be playing in the postseason. The San Diego Wave clinch the shield in only their second season in NWSL after a 2-0 win over Louisville. Uh, Angel City found a way to get in. Gotham FC sneaking in in that sixth and final spot. Um, this was a day that certainly delivered and for more on a very exciting decision day we bring in our good friend sandra herrera sandra have you recovered from the madness yesterday absolutely not <laughs> absolutely not <laughs> that's what i assumed um it was it was wild and we talked so much last week about um, just kind of all the different the different scenarios that could unfold on decision day and the storylines and who would win shield and who would win golden boot and who were going to be the teams that would that would sneak in uh, between those teams that were hovering around the playoff line. And now we know. Um, let's talk about the team that clinched the supporters shield, the San Diego wave, a 2-0 win over Louisville. Um, Portland just got absolutely thumped by, by Angel City. But for San Diego, in only their, their second year in existence in NWSL, Sandra, how, how impressed are you by what this team has accomplished? It's incredible. Um, I, don't, I, don't think, uh, I don't think that's, uh, you know, just trying to stay neutral or fair or anything like that. When, when something is outstanding, you call it outstanding. And what San Diego has done over their just two seasons of existence is absolutely outstanding. I think this is the team at one point in the season you looked at and said, they're hitting a slump. That's not great. Are they going to hit, you know, a little bit of a, you know, a sophomore slump era. And then they come right out of it. 
And they start peaking at exactly the right time where you want to peak heading into the playoffs, snatching this shield. They got Alex Morgan out of this goal scoring drought as well. I think that is a player that you do not want to get hot at the right time. And yet here she is scoring goals again for San Diego Wave. Jaden Shaw, young teenager, reaching milestones of her own and doing it all together. This team under Casey Stoney responding to her once again in another season where they want to continue to build on what they built off just last season. And they've already done that in clinching a top two seed and now the shield. Sandra, you, you touched on it. Jaden Shaw, 10 youngest to score 10 goals in all competitions. She caught my eye from day one. What's her ceiling? How important will she be in this playoff run for the San Diego Wave? Jaden Shaw, the limit doesn't exist, right? I think <laughs> when when we look at, at a teenager doing this kind of stuff, I, th I think especially within American women's uh, domestic football, there's almost this uh, there's a hesitation to maybe go all in on on someone so young. But I think when you have a player of Shaw's talent and caliber, and she's producing the way she's producing, you have to absolutely uh, you know give her her props where they're due. And not only is she doing this all as a young player. I I would argue and venture to say that maybe dark horse, long shot, MVP caliber type of performances for the San Diego Wave side because you did have a superstar in Alex Morgan that was struggling in front of goal for quite some time. So when it came to unlocking things, being that presence in the attack for San Diego, it kind of fell upon Jaden Shaw during some times. And that's a lot of pressure to put on or to, to have on your shoulders at such a young age for a team that is in a franchise that's trying to go ahead and accomplish big things. So I absolutely... Uh, you know, love watching her play, and she's been essential for this team. Sandra, I want to ask about, I was at the Gotham game, and, uh, you know, very exciting. They certainly left it uh, late, uh, squeaky bone time, if you will. But I, I, <laughs> we were all sort of watching the, re the results coming in, and I couldn't help but look at Washington Spirit and the squad that they have and somehow missing out. We're mm. talking Trinity Rodman, Ashley Hatch, Ashley Sanchez, just to name a few new ownership, million-dollar contracts. Where do they go from here? Yeah, hopefully they just uh, continue to build off of what they tried to do this season. I would argue that perhaps the spirit, despite being mostly in the upper half of the table during this regular season, if you talk to maybe some of their coaching staff, technical staff, maybe they were a little bit ahead of where they wanted to be. Going into this regular season, watching this team and their new head coach, the return of Mark Parsons to the NWSL, him kind of speaking a little bit in the offseason, especially during that draft day early on this year, that they wanted to make sure that they were targeting players to get in that they could build around that will be present staying around during these long stretches of international cycles with this year specifically the world cup and then looking ahead a little bit to next year with the olympic games as well so it was almost as if like they were saying that they were trying to build without really saying that they were going through a rebuild because like you said how do you even use those words when you've got players like a hatch a sanchez a rodman Andy Sullivan is included as well, right? Albert Kingsbury in, in, in you know, manning down the, the goalkeeping position. So I think with all the investment that they've got right now, the pieces that they've got in place, they'll be back in this postseason. They should have been back in this postseason in 2023. 
I don't know if they could have ever even really prepared for their MVP candidate going out on a red card before the half hour mark. I don't think any of them were, you know, anticipating that. I think you could see the, you know, the the emotion on on Rodman's face when the red card came to light, what that could mean for this team moving forward throughout the duration of that game. So Short memories, right? Got to try to move on that. But that's that's tough, I think, if you're still a younger player like Rodman, who we're talking about ceilings for, for certain young players. This is another one where I don't know if we've actually seen that quite yet. So this hopefully will just be a little bit more fuel for the uh, fire for her moving forward. Um, the lessons come sometimes in really hard ways, and this might be one of them. But I would not be shocked if we see Washington Spirit grow from this and make a run next season. Sandra, you'll fact check me here. I'm, I'm pretty sure at one point in the season – close to earlier on, Washington Spirit were top of the table or, ve- or very near top of the table. It was <laughs> it was so narrow, right, throughout this entire season. I, th- I feel like we had a, a, a trio of teams at one point who were in, in first place, at least for one one whole week. And uh, I, I believe you're correcting that. At one point it was, was the Spirit. Um, but that was very, very early on. And to, to have your position in place more or less on decision day to go out there maybe just get a result and and you can move on and potentially even possibly host a playoff game you know these are this is a team that's only two years removed from their previous championship which they earned in in 2021 and that was amidst uh, a transition of of ownership change um lots of things off the off the field that this team couldn't control and now that switched a little bit i think they've shown that they could still find success now that they've got the resources uh being put into the team that they wanted to to see initially um so i think that to, to fall just short the players are absolutely disappointed by that for sure we you know we heard them speaking to that a little bit in in, in the post game but i think with everything done and dusted you can't let an opportunity slip away from that good teams find a way uh but that was a huge huge mountain to climb to lose your arguably your best player and then to play uh, down a player um and then maybe just maybe they'll have it a little bit locked up more before they head into decision day next season. Want to ask also about Caroline, because that's the yeah. North Carolina Courage, the, the team that beat Washington Spirit. But in the last, what, 20 minutes, they did so without arguably one of, if not their best player. And let's hope for the best, but prepare for the worst. What does North Carolina Courage look like without their top goal scorer? Yeah, completely different. Um, I think North Carolina Courage have done a really, really good job of uh, playing to get on strengths, honestly, on this team. I think we got to see a little bit of different looks for her this year when she was on international duty with Brazil, kind of u- utilizing her more in a possessive defensive kind of uh, shape in the in the middle third. And for North Carolina, this player is is higher out on the wing, generating, creating, and scoring, all the above. So to lose her... Uh, potentially for a significant time or even just a little bit as you are getting ready now to uh, host a quarterfinal could be massive. Now, maybe it was just precautionary and they will get an update too soon. There's not one out there just 
quite yet. Um, but the potential to, to lose her as they're really just starting to cook a little bit with, with her, Narumi, uh, Monaka as well. These are all players that are coming together at the right time. And to kind of maybe lose the biggest part of that equation might not be, you know, ideal for this team moving forward. So uh, we, we saw Caroline, she, she, she posted on some socials already. Um, so maybe that is a little bit of a sign that she's feeling okay and, and doing all right. But uh, no official update just yet. All right, uh, Sandra, speaking of cooking, Angel City. There is no <laughs> team that is hotter right now than, than Angel City. Um, I, if, I'm, if I'm looking at this playoff picture, I would not want to face them right now. <laughs> and the run of form that they have been on, um, what has been the turnaround for them? I mean, Becky Tweed comes in, and this team has just been absolutely on fire. For you, what's been the biggest difference? I think you're spot on in mentioning it, that they're the hottest team right now and kind of pointing to and alluding to Becky Tweed is, is kind of the catalyst of that. I think there's there's still some more season to play for this Angel City side, so we can't really talk about their entire year just yet. But I don't think it's unfair to maybe take a look at their season overall and say, why wasn't this reset button hit a little bit sooner for this team? Because it is evident that when you look at the duration of their season, you break it down into two halves, how they went from that struggling in that first half of the season to going on this incredible uh, run in the second half of the season and doing it all under Becky Tweed. And it's not you or, or us or that people have to listen to. They could actually just hear it from the players themselves. I mean, you have Sarah Gordon at one point, um, an Iowa woman for, at, this, at this point in the this, in this season for Angel City, saying that this game was incredibly special to them. It was going to mean a lot. And giving a lot of praise to Becky Tweed as well, that she's doing an incredible job with this team. And it's evident in the way that they play. They're playing with joy. They're playing a little bit more uh, loose and free. Um, and everyone's kind of getting their, their peace. I think that was also really significant in this game as well, that it not only was it a wild game and there was a ton of goals but multiple different goal scorers for this angel city side as well so i think when you are when you're that team that's peaking at the right time you absolutely don't want to be uh the opposition um for for the team that's going to host you and i'm really eager to see this next matchup coming up between between them and the rain because these are two teams that are really familiar with each other but they're also in incredibly different forms at this moment so it's 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 all i think it starts uh you know with becky tweet although i'm sure she'll say that it actually starts with the players but sometimes you have to have that little bit of a shakeup in order to get that type of response, and we've absolutely seen it with this team. Yeah, 100%. Uh, Sandra Herrera, great stuff, as always. Get some rest. We look forward to uh, checking back in with you during the playoffs. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks, everybody. All right, guys, we are going to take another break. Um, we had some MLS action over the weekend, one game in particular with some serious playoff implications. We're diving in after a quick timeout. Welcome back to Morning Footy. Three MLS matches on Saturday. Here's a look at the results. The game Ooh. that absolutely sunk 
My bet, Nashville <laughs> SD 3-2 over New England. The LA Galaxy and Rail Salt Lake share the points in a 2-2 draw. Uh, but this was the one we were keeping an eye on. FC Dallas at home only managing a draw against mm. Colorado when mm. a win would have clinched their spot in the postseason. Let's get to the highlights of this one. And in the 25th minute, it's Colorado striking first. Rafael Navarro. And it's, it's a nice free kick, obviously, and it's an easy tap-in. Cole Bassett hits the crossbar. A little congratulations there. And Alan Velasco, who's, who's been FC Dallas's best player in the, in the attacking mm -hmm. third. Because uh, Jesus Ferrer has, has, hasn't seemed to, to find his he footing in a, in a while. Not. His confidence seems to be shaken. But this is the, the look at the Western Conference right now. And Jeez. I know. I know. I mean, so who excited. wants – raise your hand if you want to play in the postseason. Because <laughs> between places 7 oh, and LA 11, Galaxy put your hand back only two points. I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, Austin but Sporting Kansas, Kansas City is like, we're not done we're yet. We're not done yet. And, boy, do they have a crucial match on decision day next weekend against Minnesota. Um, but again, they're going to have to rely on some other results following their way. But FC Dallas, we talked about it, Nico. We talked about it on Friday. Yeah. This was a must win for them. They're at home. They're playing against the worst team in the West. This is a chance to secure your, your spot in the playoffs. And they couldn't do it. Another draw. They now have seven draws in their last eight matches. And I believe five of those have been at home. It's not good enough. It's not good enough. But what do you expect from these teams that, when you look at all the teams in the league, are mid-table downwards? When Major League Soccer rewards mediocrity like they're doing with this playoff system, you're going to get teams that are not good in the postseason. Mm -hmm. What does FC Dallas need to improve? They probably need a couple of... Bigger names, more quality, investment in the squad like you expect one of the most historic teams in Major League Soccer to invest in their squad. But it's like that, this generous playoff line yeah. is going to be like just the excuse that they just make it. Hey, we made the playoffs with the team that we have. But it can't all rely on Velasco, Jesus Ferreira. Jesus Ferreira loves dropping back, pulling the strings. They don't have another nine that can accompany him that is like a guarantee goal quota. The players that, that, that they can bring, the O'Brien, they have a couple of other guys that they can play at the nine. But, uh-huh. And you guys, like, you guys but, remember, if you go back a few years ago, this was mostly an academy that sold players for good value and also had a senior team. And it felt like the focus was more on being one of the bigger, they or more successful. They won the Shield in 2016. But what I'm saying is, remember they were like the more the most successful selling team early before the league said sure, we're going to become it. Sure, but they also were producing results. I mean, they weren't always no, sort of mid -range. and they weren't. And I don't want to say they were just not caring about the first team, but all of a sudden they start investing in this team. They turn Jesus Ferreira into a DP. They bring in uh, Ariola. They start bringing in players to be like, no, we're going to make a run for it. And Nico, I think it's spot on. It's like it's. We're gonna, they're going to walk away if they make these playoffs saying, hey, we made it to the playoffs, which feels like every MLS club can say that. But it's like it leaves you with this sort of glaring doubt of like, is this enough? Because watching this, you're like, man, it feels like there's so many spaces open yeah. where they need help. Yeah. Charlie, what do you – when you look at Dallas, like, what's missing for them? Do you agree with Nico that you just need another – another option up top in, in that attack? Like, did they rely too much on Jesus Ferreira? What's, 
What's, what's not working? And Nico is spot on with his analysis. His journalistic instinct proves him, prove, proves him right. It's just not enough in the attacking third. It's just not enough. And Jesus Ferreira, when he's not getting service, he checks deep. And then you, there's no one filling that void. What worked so well when Ricardo Pepe was there mm. is because now you have someone who stays in the box, someone who's keeping the, 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 back, the back line of the opposition back, keeping, keeping the team, giving them shape. Without Jesus Ferreira playing the nine and staying off the defender's back shoulders, there's no shape. And there's not enough interchanging if you don't have that number nine staying high. So uh, FC Dallas at this point, I mean, it's almost like bet on a draw. Uh-huh. If, you, if, you're, if you're watching them play, bet on a draw because they're not ruthless enough in the attacking third. It's good. They have seven draws in the last ten games. It's crazy. That's wild. And so many of those were 1-1, one, one, hmm. too, when yeah. you look at their, their form guide. Okay, so they end the season. They're going to be away at the LA Galaxy. LA Galaxy managed to get a 2-2 draw against RSL. Don't get me started. At the weekend. Wait, don't get me started. When, 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 when I, he I, throws the pen, okay, he's up. ready to cook. I, <laughs> he's ready to cook. That's like a whole <laughs> other segment. You think that Dallas can beat LA? Yeah. LA? The Galaxy, you're at home. This is the LA Galaxy. You're at home. Yes. <laughs> You, you feel like they're, they're always given an opportunity to turn things around. This isn't the front office. This isn't the front office making decisions. You have a 2-0 lead at home, and you, you give it up, and you end up taking just a point away from RSL. And RSL, they're a much improved team. I don't want to take any credit away from RSL. Mm -hmm. But RSL at home are different than RSL away. But RSL took it to them in the second half, and they got the point. Okay. For me, that sums up the LA Galaxy. Okay. So is Dallas in the playoffs? Are they going to get the win that they desperately need on decision day to clinch their spot? Uh -uh. Are they a playoff team? I feel like San Jose makes it. Mm -hmm. And then one of Sporting KC or Minnesota is going to be breathing down their so back, right? So Portland will play Houston. And I believe they need a win or a draw right. against them to, to stay in. And then for Sporting, Sporting Kansas City and Minnesota, both they need to win in order to get, get into the playoffs, but they also need some results to fall Oof. So sport, Sporting and Minnesota draw, they're both out. They're both out. Right, they're both out. <laughs> so, 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 so somebody's got to win there. Exactly. I just feel like that, that, that game is going to be so dynamic in that need to win that mm -hmm. three points are going to come there. Mm -hmm. And then if... San Jose at home can't Do figure it out against an already eliminated Austin. Austin. But those are the tough ones. Team right. that's already eliminated, playing free. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, Houston Dynamo, I will say that Timbers, that Timbers Houston Dynamo game is going to be a, a good one as well because Houston are trying to secure a home field mm -hmm. spot. Hmm. They want to finish in the top four. So there's still something to play for there as well. Um, and Portland, yeah, if they don't win, they could be out as, as wow. well. So if FC Dallas <laughs> doesn't beat LA Galaxy, sell Jesus Ferreira, start from, start from scratch. Do you think Nico Estevez keeps his job Ooh. if they don't make the playoffs? Because to me, this is such a missed opportunity. And I feel like there should they have underperformed this year. And I think that he could be on the hot seat if they do not make the postseason. I, I think any team who doesn't make the playoffs, their manager's on the hot seat. Mm -hmm. in, in terms of actually you know, looking for a new manager, there, there are a few that I'd say you're going to give them at least a half season more. But there are some that you say you've had an opportunity and now it's time to look for some, for, for some new managers. And again, it's 
who's out there, who, who makes sense for the club, yeah. who fits the culture, who has a right, the right plan for that particular club. So Is it Charlie Davies? There's a lot of questions. <laughs> yeah. a lot of He's questions. throwing no. his hat in the ring. I'm happy you're a morning footy. Come on now. <laughs> Ooh, decision day going to be lit next weekend. All right, guys, we're going to take a break. We are going to chat some Euro 2024 qualifiers. Some team clinched their spot over the weekend. We're going to dive in after the break. Stay with us.